0: Okay, so, uh, so hold those thoughts and we'll take them into what we're going to look at today. Um, if you've not been before, you're super welcome. If uh, We've been tracking through the uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians, so we've been going through uh, verse by verse. This uh, this week we're going to be on, uh, if you've got the house Bible in front of you and you like to have that in front of you, we're on page 1184 or it's Colossians 3.18 if you have your Scripture with you. I really encourage you. I always say this, but I really think it's true. Uh, if you can, bring your own Bible to church. It's brilliant because then you can scribble in it. You can make notes. When God reveals something to you in one of our times together, you can then circle it and you can go back to it in your own prayer time. So link up the stuff we do here together with your own devotions at home, your own quiet times at home. So try and bring your Bible to church. There was a massive campaign. When I first became a Christian, there was a big thing. It was called Bring Your Bible to Church, and it was a big campaign. I think it's, quite, I think it's a good idea, Bring Your Bible to Church. Um, anyway, there's one on the table if you haven't done that. Um, so we're going to skip a section today. I just wanted to kind of name the swap. We've been working through week by week, going in order. This week, we're actually going to leap forwards a little bit and miss a bit because next week, Mia is going to preach on a passage that's perfect for baptism. And, um, and uh, we have a little baptism service within our gathering next week. So we're going to allow Mia... Oh, thanks. Is it not good? Sorry, hopefully that's less buzzy. Um, We're going to allow Mia to preach on that next week, so we're going to swap my section and her section, because the section I'm going to preach on is not such a good baptism section. Uh, However, I do want to grab one verse from the end of that that section, because it really lays the foundations for what Paul then goes on to say in mine, if that makes sense. So St. Paul says this. He says, Therefore, as God's chosen people... Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So, Paul is saying to those Colossians, uh, uh, those Christians in Colossae, and to us today, that if you are followers of Jesus, if you are Christians, you should put on each day like a fresh set of clothes these Christ-like qualities and they're there in orange. Be full of compassion for how it is for other people. Put yourself in their shoes. Don't just think through your own lens. Hello, Marie. Um, uh, Emily, sorry. Uh, Be kind to other people. Be humble. Don't forget that we are all just little squirts at the end of the day. Uh, Be gentle. Be patient with others in their faults. And that is instead of the opposite. Of each of those things, and they're much more natural to bubble up within us. So, a kind of a selfishness, a kind of a pride, a, a being rough with one another, or getting angry when people make mistakes around us. And so, that's still quite, I think, a countercultural set of characteristics. In our culture now, as it was then, people might well say, Well, that just sounds a bit like Jesus is saying, Be a wimp, like be a wuss, let people. Stomp all over you, but actually it isn 't weakness that allows us to act like that it isn 't weakness that allows us to be humble or kind or patient doesn 't it actually take strength to do that it 's much harder to be humble and patient and kind with other people than it is to be a bit elbowy and to get our own way in everything to imitate Christ, to be gentle and full of love, to be able to take other people in your stride. That's much harder, and it takes a lifetime of practice and a lifetime of rewiring of us by God. So that is the, like, the foundation of the comments that Paul goes on to make. And then this is where we're going to have our reading today. So in a minute, if Nat's able to come up, that'd be brilliant. Paul says, you've got a training ground for this. You've got a perfect training ground for this, and it is your household. The the Greek word for household, oikos, means everyone that's kind of in and out of your life. So it wasn't literally just your family. It was your business contacts, the people who would come into your realm for business. It would be your neighbors. It would be uh, the staff, perhaps, that worked in your house or your slaves in that that day. Paul is saying that these Christ-like qualities that are the foundation there, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, You've all got a training ground for that. Whatever your, your situation in life happens to be, that is the perfect training ground, practice ground, for you trying to develop this Christ-likeness. So this is what it begins to look like, and this is where I'm going to ask Nat to read for us, and uh,
1: over to you. Yeah, so page uh, 1184 in your Bibles, if you've got that. It's chapter 3 in Colossians, verse 18, and we're going up to the first verse of chapter 4 there. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Parents, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on, is on you and to carry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you are in receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favouritism. Masters. Provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Thank you very much, Nat. Much appreciated. And Ben? Um, All right. So, what does this, this Christ like humility and gentleness look like? Paul says, first of all, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. So he's saying that if your situation happens to be that you're married, then wives, do not strong-arm your own will and preferences into everything, but lay down yourself for your husband. Seek his prospering and his flourishing. Support him. And the, the Greek here can also be translated as wives, treat your husbands with respect. Do not undermine them. Do not belittle them or work against them. Submit yourselves to your husbands out of devotion to Jesus. Now it was obviously a very patriarchal society and so thank goodness Paul immediately shows that this submission and this laying down of oneself for the other is to come from both directions. So he says husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Love and respect your wife, seek her flourishing and her fulfillment. And whenever we hear that word love in the New Testament, we know that it's always after the fact that Jesus has showed us what love looks like. As defined by God, love looks like this. This is what John the Apostle says. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So in the Christian faith, love is not just some woolly feeling or some sort of warm sentiment. Love as defined by God means sacrifice, sacrificing your own stuff, laying yourself down so that the other can thrive. That's what Jesus did for us, and that pattern is what we're to carry on in our lives. So when Paul says, wives, submit to your husbands, it might lead us to think that Paul is anti-women in some way, as if he's saying, women, know your place, keep your mouth shut, be downtrodden. But that's not what he's saying at all. Wives are called to submit to their husbands, to lay themselves aside and to serve their husbands, but husbands are called to die for their wives. If we're Christian men, we're perhaps called to a more extreme version of that submission and that devotion, an echoing of what Christ has done for his bride, the church. Because our world is still set up, let's face it, in a way where it's easier for the blokes to prosper. But the Spirit of God says, husbands, love your wives. Die to yourself for your wife. Lay yourself down for her so that you might see her flourish. That's what love looks like. So we can see Paul the bit begin to develop this argument. There is this beautiful dance of kind of submission, of mutual service between these two human beings who've entered this partnership together. Both partners are to put themselves aside, and it's an endless and hopefully lifelong pattern of back and forth blessing and celebration. And that develops in them, have a look at the bottom, the foundations, that develops in them a compassion, a kindness, a humility, a gentleness and a patience with one another. These are the practices that develop this Christ-likeness in it. And think for a minute, think of, I don't know who it is for you, I've got some people in mind for me, who is it for you that in your life you've, you've seen or you've got to know who just oozes Jesus, who just seems like a truly godly kind of person? I think they're people who have a deep kind of compassion for others, a deep kindness, a deep humility. They're, they're humble, deeply humble people, gentle and patient. They can just kind of take stuff in their stride. They don't get flapped easily. These are the ways the husbands and wives in this example, Paul's example, can practice this stuff. So if we clothe ourselves in Christ, that's what it begins to look like in our households, first of all, but then in our workplaces and then seeping beautifully into our society. If we can learn this pattern, if we can learn this dance, the way of Jesus is like this. It's a quiet and gentle revolution of love. And it's continuing to turn the world upside down. We've just been praying about the Middle East. And I was praying about Ukraine and Russia. I don't know how many of you remembered that that's still rumbling on. That's, nothing's changed there. There's stuff that I can't do anything about in the world. But there are some things that I can do something about. How I treat the people around me in my life. How I try and love and serve and lay myself aside for Sarah. To see Sarah flourish. To see my friends flourish. My neighbours This is the stuff that we can control and begin to see this beautiful work of Jesus, this kingdom of Jesus, seeping through our society and into our world more and more fully. And so we see this same pattern, this principle, carry on. Paul was writing a letter to this church that was full of lots of different sorts of people. There were powerful people, business owners maybe. There were men, there were women, there were slaves, there were people of different heritage, different background. And he's saying whatever your situation in life, you are able to practice this Christ-likeness. So if you're a kid, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. I just want to say that again because my two kids are in the room. Children, obey your parents in everything. Because it pleases the Lord. And it's one of the Ten Commandments uh, given to Moses by God on the mountain. And it's the only commandment that comes with a kind of promise attached. Number five, it says, Honor your father and mother so that it may go well with you in the land. Honor your father and mother so that it may go well for you in the land. So it's part of the natural order of the universe. Love your parents. Um, Obey your parents. Don't work against them. Don't pull against them. Obey them out of obedience to Christ. Pick up your dirty clothes off the floor. Turn your phone off. First time of asking. Like they're just my additions to the scriptures. But, um, and, and then like before, in case we start to think, oh, Paul's kind of advocating for some kind of dominance or some squashing down of, of children, he immediately gives the partner comment to that. He says, parents, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Be kind to your kids, don't treat them like dirt. Remember you were a kid once, don't just give them all the chores to do. Try and lay yourself down in order to see them flourish and grow and thrive. And yes, they need to pick up their dirty clothes off the floor. Yes, they need to learn to take responsibility for themselves and to be an adult. You've got to teach them that, but love them. Don't embitter them, don't discourage them. See them thrive, do what you can. see them thrive and hopefully you can see again there is this mutual laying down for one another if i lay myself down for these two hopefully they'll lay themselves down for me and it only works if it's two-way in in the relationship between the husbands and wives it will only work if that mutual submission and love and grace flows both ways that's what we can do something about i think and then finally paul says even if you're a slave in this society that we live in. Seek to be like Christ to those around you. Now, sometimes people say that the Bible approves of slavery because of these verses here, but the Bible doesn't ever suggest that slavery is a good thing. The the scriptures actually see uh, slavery as one of the many signs of brokenness in this world, one of the horrible injustices that have come about because of our rebellion against God and our brokenness. So in these verses that we're about to see in a second, Paul is simply speaking into the world that he happened to inhabit at that time. He's saying whatever the situation is, you can still act Christ-like towards other people. So let's have a look at what he says. He says, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Partly I love this because it's the only mention of curry in the whole Bible, and curry is one of the signs of the kingdom breaking in among us, but also because Paul is reminding us that everything is worship to Jesus. He says, in your work, in your relationships, whatever your situation, you're always seeking to love and to serve the Lord. So he says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. So really, in our jobs, I don't know what life is like for you guys. Some of you have got jobs, some of you are retired, some of you are married, some of you are single. There's all these different relationships. Whatever you do each day when you get up, do it in order to give glory and honor to God. And, and, and as hard as it is for us to hear, Paul is saying, and if you're a slave, if you're on the bottom rung of a particular ladder, then you can still seek to honor God with the way you treat those around you. It's the direction of your heart towards the Lord that matters here. He says, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. So he's saying, if your slave master is cruel to you and wrong to you, Jesus is watching. They will be repaid their wrongs. There's no favoritism for them just because they happen to be powerful and rich in this world. They will be called to give an account of their lives. So Paul is saying, leave the justice to God. You can't do anything about that, but what you can do is you can love and serve and give glory to God in the way that you do that. And then again, just in case we start thinking, oh, he's pro-slavery, he addresses the slave master and he says, masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. He reminds them that they live under a God who has given them everything they have anyway, and so they must provide for and act justly towards those who work in their household. So Paul isn't endorsing slavery. Paul is actually trying to get them to change the institution from within. He's trying to encourage them to bring in that quiet revolution of Jesus in the way that they treat One another, and then actually, in another one of his letters to Philemon, he actually says to the slave owner, You need to set the guy free, you need to set your slaves free, which in that day would have been a massive, like, revolutionary kind of statement. So, Paul addresses all these different kinds of relationships, and this is just a little snapshot. There are many, many different kinds of relationships we have the way we treat our friends, the way we act towards our neighbors, the way we operate in in our workplaces. He's saying, whatever your situation, and that's what we need to hear today as the church, whatever your life is like, it, whatever it happens to be like right now in this chapter, there is no better time to start practicing and deepening this Christ-likeness, this compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. So let's stand together, if we're able. Let's stand together. And we're just going to have a bit of time um, to ask Jesus, what this means for us right now here in Exeter in 2023. Maybe Nick could come back up. So I just encourage you, if you're comfortable to do so, just close your eyes for a sec. Just remember those verses from Paul. He says, clothe yourselves. Clothe yourselves in compassion, in kindness, in humility in gentleness, in patience. We're just going to ask, ask the Lord a few questions. And I want you guys to see if you can get a sense of him answering you. So Lord, who is it that you are calling us to love in this way? Which relationship is it you want us to really practice this in? Lord, is there someone that we know um, we need to say sorry to, or is there a, an approach to a relationship where we need to we need to repent? Just take a moment to do that now. You might be aware of a place where you've been, where you've been selfish instead of kind, where you've um, been kind of pushy and imposed your own will instead of seeking, um, seeking the way of the other. spirit would you come and would you fill us afresh lord would you come now and would you clothe us in christ it will feel different to much in this world lord but would you clothe us with compassion and kindness and gentleness and humility Oh, Jesus, we remember that you said your heart is gentle and lowly. That you are gentle and humble in heart. Would you come, Holy Spirit, and, and right now just begin to heal where we need healing, to soften our hearts where they become hardened towards someone or a situation. seek your kingdom, Lord, in these areas. We ask for your will to be done. We want to do it your way, Lord Jesus.